My name is Craig and this is episode 43. Um, in this episode I'm joined by Detox, otherwise known as Demontrius Lawrence from Atlanta, Georgia and he was in town playing with Avery Sunshine, uh, amazing artist. I went to check out the gig and it's fair to say that um, Detox has some serious chops under his belt uh, as well as a uh, massive pocket and, and great tone as well, just all, all the boxes were, were checked essentially. Um, so this was a really, it was a really great, great hang, um, and we get to chat about uh, Detox's upbringing in the church in Atlanta. Um, we talk a little bit about the hip hop scene over there and what it's like as a musician to be in that kind of environment. We talk about his role as a producer, um, and also get into talking about some some bass greats like James Jamerson. Uh, and also his thoughts on approaching soloing and, and lots of cool stuff. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Um, as always, this is made um, partially possible by my good friends at F-Bass, who have been handcrafting basses and guitars for over 40 years and offer contemporary as well as vintage-inspired designs. And um, the other sponsors of the podcast are Bass Face Strings, based here in Australia, they are importing the awesome Ken Smith bass strings, and you can find them at bassinyourface.com.au. So, as always, guys, thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoy this uh, interview with Detox. Uh, if you do, consider leaving a review, sharing it around, um, subscribe. Every little helps. I think it's really important that we try and get these conversations out there so that as many bass players and musicians can hear what these guys have to say as possible. So, without any further ado, here is episode 43, Detox. How's everybody doing? This is Craig from Bass Lessons Melbourne and for today's player profile I'm joined by Detox. How are you man? Good man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time out. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Um, you're in town with Avery Sunshine. Avery Sunshine, right? yes. Yeah. Um, how's it been going? Uh, things have been going really well. Yeah. Really well. Really nice venue. Um, loving the city. The little I've seen. Yeah. Um, I've seen more jet lag than I have this city. Yeah, it's but, tough that, huh? Yeah, it's very tough. but. Uh, we're working through it, and we finally got out yesterday to see, you know, the things that are surrounding where cool. we are. Yeah. And thanks to you, we got a chance to see the beach today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. You, you didn't go for a swim? Uh, no, I didn't go for a swim. No. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I didn't want to mess up your studio. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and so what's the, what's the Avery gig like? What, um, what, kind of, what kind of stuff is it? Is it kind of um, it's, it's R&B soul. R&B soul. Um, I like to call it an adventure. 
because um, like we have so much great music prepared, mm -hmm. but she's really great at reading the crowd. So okay. from night to night, we really don't know what we're gonna play. Cool. But it's always great because it keeps you on your toes. It's exciting. Yeah. The crowd gets a wonderful experience. And it's, it's always super fun. And so she sings and plays keys? She sings right? and plays keys. Okay, yes. so she can kind of lead from there. Exactly. Nice. Like a lot of times she doesn't even have to say like <clears throat> the next song. She just kind of lead and you hear it. Okay. And just know where to go. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that gig for? I've been with her about five years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's the... Uh, so how, how, how do you kind of prepare for, for a, a tour like this? Do you guys have a lot of rehearsals or...? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's kind of funny because we play together so much that uh, we don't rehearse now as much as we have in the past. Sure. But um, a lot of our rehearsals come from sound checks. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is we have a great chemistry. Mm -hmm. So like we've kind of learned how to, to read her motions, like her body motions. Yeah, right. So a lot of times she'll say, all right, well, tonight let's try this. And it, it always works. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those unique situations where it's a blessing because like you have some great players and... Mm. We all vibe re really well together. And you get to stretch out if you want yeah, to. Yeah, you get to stretch thing. out. Yeah. yeah, a couple of solos. Yeah, absolutely. And nice. she's, she's very gracious to us, and, and she shares the stage a lot. And yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it mostly original stuff? Or? Uh, yeah, it's mostly original stuff. Some covers, because we, we tend to do a lot of the songs that we just like, mm -hmm. to just kind of throw in the mix. Yeah. But I would say about 80% original stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you guys are all in the same... The same town back home, same city. Yeah, we we all live in Atlanta Atlanta. Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that where you grew up? Born and raised in Atlanta. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic because now there's so many transplants in Atlanta. I think I'm one of the few people left that actually was born and raised in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Transplants. Yeah. Is that what you call somebody from another city? That's yeah, a transplant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, why is that? Is it just a great scene or universities? Well, um, actually, um, the Olympics came to Atlanta in 1996. And from that point, it just kind of exploded. Yeah. And now we have a really huge movie scene there. Okay. Movie scene, the music scene is, is really big there. So a lot of people are moving there. It's kind of like the New York of the South. Okay. Some people refer to it. Yeah. 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 And the kind of the biggest scene down there would be what? Hip hop or hip -hop. jazz? Definitely hip hop. Yeah. Definitely hip hop. Yeah. Okay. Or as they refer to it now, it's trap music. <laughs> yeah. Trap music with the C, not a. With the T, not the C. Sorry. Yeah, with the T. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> well, depends on who you talk to. <laughs> and so, do you um, is is there a is there scope in that scene for for live absolutely. instruments and stuff as absolutely. well, or is absolutely. it all kind of DJs and MCs? What's the vibe? Well, the thing with hip hop now is like it's transitioned so much to live bands mm. that a lot of musicians are relocating to Atlanta as well to become a part of bands for these big acts that are being birthed out of the city. Okay. So there, there's definitely a scene for that. There's a jazz scene in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. There's also even a small fusion scene. It's, so. it's all the fusion scene is always small. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> cool. Um, so what was your what was your kind of beginnings on on bass and stuff? Um, I started out on drums. Okay. And I grew up in a church. Yep. Like a lot of guys I know, grew up in church, hung around musicians a lot, and I played drums. I love drums. But our bass player, he owned a bus company, and he was always out of town. And it's, it's no fun playing drums without a bass player. Absolutely. So there was another guy that wanted to play drums. So I was like, well, I'll just start playing bass. How hard can it be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. Okay, so how old were you? Uh, I was about 12 then. Okay, yeah. I started playing drums around about 
six, seven. Wow. And I was about 12 when I picked That's up That's pretty bass. young. Yeah. So you, so you, do you still play drums? Still pretty? Uh, not as much. I yeah. program drums a lot now when I'm producing. Okay. Yeah, and that yeah. actually helps because it helps me to kind of know how to approach songs and... Having been a drummer yeah. Yeah, for the program and stuff. Yeah, sure. So did you get lessons and stuff or actually by ear mainly? Mainly by ear, mainly by ear. And yeah. like, you know, when you get a chance to kind of meet guys that you look up to, yep. take that opportunity to ask some questions yep. and, you know, just kind of fiddle out and figure things out. Did you have like, maybe a mentor or somebody who kind of really showed you the ropes or? Actually, uh, my mentors were actually keyboardists. Okay. Yeah. Their left hand? Yeah, their left hand and like, because they wanted to be free. So it was this one guy, like, every time he would play something, he would stop and say, why did you do that? And then it helped me because I didn't realize what he was doing at the time, but mm -hmm. it, it taught me to think, like, well, if I'm helping a keyboardist, mm. I have to be in harmony with them. Yeah. I can't just do my own thing. So that, that actually helped me a lot. Okay. Yeah. And so, obviously, if you learn stuff by ear, do you get to the point where you actually start putting... Um, names to the things that you're that you're doing, you know, like you know that's an F sharp minor chord, or oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, you start of course. to you start to piece it all together. Yeah, and what helped with that is like I would I would just buy books, and okay. and honestly, like what what really got me to it, I would buy Bass Player magazine, and basically they would always have this thing in the back where it'd be like the lesson for the week, and yeah. I remember the first time it was the Twelve Bar Blues, and I didn't know what that was really, and I learned it because I'm like you know 12, 13, so okay, yeah. I looked and I was like, well, let me learn that, and then I realized how important it was to start understanding like note names, chord structures, sure. scales, and how they all work together. And and as I learned, one thing I've learned is that when you start pursuing certain things and knowledge about certain things, opportunities just continue to present themselves to help you like learn more, yeah, and expand on what you've learned. Okay, so it's like I would learn the blues and then like. I would be on a gig and they'd be like 12 bar blues and I'm like, okay, cool. yes. I know what that is. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so were you pretty, you are practicing a lot at home or? I was practicing a lot yeah. at home. Yeah. And, then, and church helped a lot too because they kept me pretty busy as a player. Yep. Because the bass player was never around, of course. Sure. So they kept me pretty busy and a lot of times like, I don't know if you know much about church, but most times they don't give you the music in enough time. Yeah. <laughs> So like you show up at rehearsal and that's when you find out, oh, we're doing that song. Okay. But it helped because it, it helped me to develop an ear and learn how to play kind of fast. Yeah. And just how to kind of anticipate changges and hear the keyboard is kind of leading you about where they're about so to go. Really developing your ear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then so how, what, what did you do to kind of get your chops together, your facility? Were you... Mimicking. Mimicking. Mimicking a lot. Who, who? I started out because just melodically I loved the way it sounded. It was a lot of Jocko stuff. Okay. But the thing about the Chaco stuff, it was like, well, on a regular R&B gig or a gospel gig, it wasn't really usable. Sure. Facility-wise, it was great because it helped me to learn how to use my fingers and yeah. in a, a really comfortable way. Yeah. So then I started listening to a lot of James Jamerson. Okay. Because at the time, like, a lot of the hits that I loved, he was the bass player there. Yeah. And then, like, from the jazz side, I listened to a lot of Christian McBride. Mm. Christian McBride came up in conversation yesterday as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just what a... What a complete bass player. Yeah, he definitely Musician, is. He definitely you know, is. Upright, threaded. Huge ears. He, he hears everything. Yeah. And his tone. His and, tone is amazing. Yeah. Well. And his phrasing is impeccable as well. His, his intonation. Intonation, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those guys. He's definitely one of the favorites. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no real lessons then? Just kind of, you saw all the guys doing it and just kind of just went for yeah, it? Yeah, just went for it. Just went cool. for it. So... 
I guess you finished in high school at what, 17, 18? Yeah, 17, yeah. Yeah, and then, then what was And actually, was um, I went, I had a scholarship to Clark Atlanta University. Cool. Um, and I went there and I actually, <laughs> I have a master's degree in computer science. Ah. Worked for about six months and I had an opportunity to do a tour. We were going for about six weeks and they were holding the job for me. I know if they're watching, they're probably, they remember the situation. <laughs> they were holding the job for me and I came back and I just couldn't go back. Couldn't go back to the desk I just joke. couldn't do it. What was the tour? Um, well, we did this thing, it's called American Music Abroad with Jazz at Lincoln Center. Okay. And uh, we spent about six weeks in different com countries in Africa. Oh, wow. And it was a culture, cultural exchange. And what we would do, we would play our music and we do workshops during the day, and then they would also play their music, and we would just talk and converse about music and like pretty much the state of music in that country versus America and how things are similar and how things are different. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing opportunity. Especially for when you're, what, 22, 23? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you get a chance to see the world, but also you get a chance to play and you get a chance to meet some incredible people. Yeah. Was that the first time you kind of been out? That's yeah, that was the first time. That, that was my first tour. <laughs> wow. And then we did it again the next year in South America. Oh, wow. So that was great as well. Any any kind of life-changing moments in that that stuff or stuff that you've just kind of held on to that's kept you going? The biggest thing that I've held on to from those experiences is that you learn that people are just a lot more the same than they are different. Yeah. You know, like you also you always bombarded with the idea that like, well, they're from this place, so they're different. They're from this place, but when you just stop and like talk, and and the humanity of it is is we're all the same. Yeah, we all want to be loved, and we all want to love. Absolutely, and and the music brings people together. So mm -hmm. it's like we will play, and then it's like, oh, okay, cool, you can play. So we would talk. Next thing you know, it's not even about music anymore. It's just about a relationship. Yeah. So I try to approach every situation from those experiences about relationship first. Mm. Because at this level, everybody can play. Mm. You know, everybody's a musician, everybody can play. And it's about just getting to know the heart of the person that you're actually working with and you're actually dealing with. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's what has really changed my life. Even yeah. if they're a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, nice man. So you come back from that, you decide that you're not going to be a, a desk jockey and yeah, yeah. and you just kind of commit yourself to, to playing. And, and getting better every day. Yeah. And trying to, you know, meet the people that I need to meet. Yep. You know, trying to figure out how to get in certain circles. Just trying to figure out how everything works. Yeah. 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 So you're gigging every week? Uh, and then now I am. Oh, I mean. Well, like then, then too, then. but um, in Atlanta. A lot of musicians kind of have like a church that they play for, yep. which tends to be like a stable kind of thing for them. Okay. And everything else is kind of like colored around that. Okay. So for, for a while, like that was the situation. So you were gigging every week at a church, but then, you know, stuff around the city, you were also playing okay. a lot. And so the church, the church thing is a, it's a paid gig. It's a... Yeah, it is a paid gig. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. That's lucky. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then in, in Atlanta is considered... A part of what we call the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. It was just this huge area of just a lot of churches. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of churches and a lot of opportunity yeah. to play. To and, and they're they're very great at allowing you to learn your craft. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of get into it. It's like an opportunity to kind of get in, get your feet wet, learn mm -hmm. how everything works, play, expand your your knowledge, mm -hmm. learn how to work with people, how to manage situations. It's it's an unbelievable unbelievable training ground. 
and mm. I'm I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, it's it's certainly putting out some amazing musicians. Yeah, you yeah. Know? You never thought about moving to like New York or really or one of those kind of hubs? Actually, I did think about moving to New York. Um, I just I love the energy of New York, mm. but the more I thought about it, the more Atlanta became that same thing, the thing that I was looking for, because a lot of the musicians from New York were coming to Atlanta at the time. Mm. Okay. And like we had a lot of record labels that were setting up shop in Atlanta, and a lot of acts were moving to Atlanta. Okay. So it was like a lot of the things I was looking for was was within reach, so I didn't have to sacrifice leaving my family. That's cool, yeah. And just, you know, stuff I grew up with, so. And, and the weather, I guess. Well, yeah. that's debatable, because yeah. Atlanta gets pretty hot. Okay. Yeah, it gets really hot. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, if New York gets really cold, like I'm saying, you know, would yeah. that be a, something you wouldn't be a fan of, or? I wouldn't mind as much. Yeah. Just because I've been in Atlanta so long, I wouldn't mind as much. Wouldn't mind a yeah. breath of fresh air? Yeah, just something different. Yeah. yeah. So it's not really on the cards anymore, or? I wouldn't say that it's off the cards. If the, if the right opportunity came along. Yeah, if the right opportunity like, came, along, came yeah. along, yeah, I would definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean, there does seem to be a bit of an exodus from New York at the minute. A lot of people are moving out west yeah, to LA. Yeah, LA a lot. Nashville, as, as, as far as I can tell. But New York's just always got that that energy, that vibe. They have the energy, they have the history. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of clubs there that, that really support music, like live music, instrumentation, mm -hmm. like really, really great stuff. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There are a lot of cities that like, if it's not like EDM or certain like levels of hip hop, they don't embrace it as much. Mm -hmm. But New York and LA, they really embrace live music. Mm. And that, that's what I really love about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how, how did you kind of get into the, the producing side of things? Um, matter of fact, when we did the Jazz at Lincoln Center stuff, um, one of the things to apply was you had to have your own proje project. Mm -hmm. And so we all got together and we were like, well, let's just figure it out. Let's just do it ourselves. And from there, you know, you kind of learn how to make beats and, you know, record bass, how to properly record instruments. Mm -hmm. And then it just developed over time mm -hmm. because you start hearing other stuff and you're like, well, how do I replicate that sound? Okay. You start doing your research. Google has made it very easy to kind of figure stuff out. YouTube. YouTube as well. Yeah. yeah. But you still gotta, you still gotta have something to say with it. Yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So it's like once you find that thing that you want to say, you have to find a way to accurately represent that thing and be able to get it to other people. Sure. So that you can be heard. So. Mm. And also, so that it's true to you or honest. You know, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's your, it's your thing. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's the most important thing, though, because mm. a lot of people make music because it's what's popular at the time. And to me, the timeless music has been always the stuff where you can feel the heart of the person that's playing. Yeah, yeah. It 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 just it always stands the test of time. Like I can hear a James Jamerson line now, and it's still relevant. Totally. Yeah. I think although I kind of talked about this before, is like. Jameson or maybe even Rocco. Yeah, know, absolutely. Like if you're yeah. if you're in a, a band and you started to play like that, you'd probably get some funny looks. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah. Why are you playing so many notes? But those guys made it work. They made it work. They made it yeah. work, and that that was their voice, you know. Yeah. So it just became part of that that sound. But like trying to superimpose that into something probably wouldn't wouldn't work from, from our context. Yeah, and I think. During those times, like they were such a major voice in those bands mm -hmm. that that a lot of the music was written around what they did. Yeah. 
So that gave the space for them to do that. Yeah. Like I kind of call it like the busy pocket, but it's like, it's still, it's, it works. It's not in the way, but it's moving. Yeah. You know, stuff that you would typically to hear from, typically want to hear from strings or keyboard movements. Okay. They were doing that thing. Yeah, yeah. What, what would be like one of your, one of your top Jameson lines? I wouldn't say lines more so than vibe. Okay. Yeah. So what, what would be like, like, you know that thing where he just kind of like, like, uh, And the pushes he do? Yeah. That kind of thing? Yeah. 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 There's always like kind of a statement in space and then yeah, absolutely. movement and absolutely. then space and then kind of movement like Darling Deer. Or Darling Deer, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot yeah, of people say that's the most um, beautiful bass line yeah, ever yeah, written. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of, the, one of the pieces I like to kind of give my students is uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Just yeah. the way you just, it's... I mean, it's studied for a reason because it's a great example of how to build a song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how to absolutely. know where you are and then how to get from one chord to another you yeah. know, in a musical, lyrical way. And then also bring back that groove. You know, yeah, yeah. It goes back to that intro thing, but it's a little bit different. And yeah, it's just genius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely genius. Like, the bass told a story. Yeah. Yeah, there's a story within the story. Yeah, you know? and again, like that kind of that pocket works because generally the drums are playing. Yeah, straight. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's that's another thing I think is important to think about is like if the drums are doing a lot of work, you probably need to step back. And yeah, let, let yeah, that yeah. be let that be the funk. But if the drums are straight up and down, then you can put those anticipations and. Yeah, yeah. I, I read this thing Steve Gadd wrote recently. He was saying that like when he was recording back in the day, he was like, you know. The horn player took a solo. He's like the whole band would start kind of ramping up. Mm-hmm. Everybody, and then he's like, before you know it, everybody's kind of going crazy. Mm-hmm. But he was like, in those moments where another instrument is more busy or doing their thing, those are the moments you pull back more. Yeah. Because you you want to amplify the voice that is the lead at the time. Yeah. And I think that was the same thing with 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 say a Jameson or like one of my one of my favorite players now is Derek Hodge. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that's one thing he does very very well. He moves a lot, but when like something else is being said, oh, he sits back so far. Yeah. And it's almost like, you never miss him, mm. but he's like, hey, I'm, I'm respecting the lead voice at this time. Yeah. And he still finds his pockets in the conversation to say what he needs to say. Sure, yeah, knowing, knowing your place. Um, but it, it can be difficult in a life situation where you've got the energy and yeah. you might not think you're playing a lot, yeah, yeah, but you are. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. So you've got to have people to kind of Listen to yourself in context. I yeah, guess, yeah. Which is just comes from playing live a lot, I guess. Yeah, like, and know. listening back Listen. when you can. Recording yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, everybody should learn how to record themselves. Absolutely. It's great. It helps great a lot. Too. Yeah. So how how did you kind of get your your slap chops together? Was that just guys at church, or is there a Marcus or Larry or? Actually, it was. <laughs> it mainly came from drumming. Yeah, really. To be honest, yeah. Well, I guess that's what Larry, that's where he got it from, was like, that was the kick. Yeah, and, 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 and it was natural snap. to me because of that, because right. of drums, it was like more of a, just a, like a... Yeah. You can, and it's easy to lock with a drummer because, like, I'm thinking as a drummer, so... Sure. Most of my movements, either, like, 
a lot of times me and this guy like we don't even talk about what happens yep. and it's like at a certain moments in the song we do exactly the same thing that's it but it's natural it just feels really natural yeah but you know partly because maybe you guys grew up in a similar yeah similar I, I world so. so those things yeah. are, are we listen to similar music as well yeah, yeah. Um, so what's kind of um, apart from the Avery the Avery stuff what, what else are you kind of doing back home um, I do a lot of sessions um uh, like I, we discussed a little bit earlier, um, yeah. kind of goes in waves. Like there was a time I was doing a lot of hip hop stuff. Um, and is that bass, or are you kind of producing mainly? Well, beats? both, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, mainly, people just want bass, but then there are a lot of people who play bass, mm-hmm. and then they tend to ask for help, like with other parts of the song. Okay. So it becomes a production thing. Yep. Um, I've done a lot of hip hop, and then it went to this thing where I was doing a lot of gospel recording. And then it ended up, well, lately I've been doing a lot of smooth jazz. Okay. But it's kind of cool because you get to kind of do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And so. I think uh, I think I saw on your Instagram a single, some kind of smooth jazz sax. Oh, yeah. There's a guy in Atlanta named Trey Daniels. Yeah. Um, and he actually made it to Billboard. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I forgot what number he made it to, but um, it was something we did within the last four to five months. That bass sounded great. Oh, thank you. Was that this or? Um, actually, that was a Miura. I mean, you're, oh. and it had some Aguilar super singles. Yeah, right. Yeah. What, 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 what kind of bass is that? Five string. It was a five string kind jazz. of, kind of Fender jazz. Okay. Kind of thing. How did you come across Mira? Uh, actually, uh, it was one of those things where I kind of just picked it up and played it. At the time, it was just oh. convenient at the time. But I mean, yeah. like, how, how did you come across that bass to begin with? Like, was it in a store? Or oh, that was you? a place in Atlanta called uh, Atlanta Bass Gallery. Yep. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's like one of the yeah. more... And, I think I remember seeing the address at the back of bass player. Yeah, sure yeah, absolutely, like absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a whole bunch of stuff. The store recently closed. Oh. Yeah, but um, he had a lot of stuff. And like you would go in on Saturdays and just kind of see what's on the wall. Yeah. And he said that the guy that made the bass actually stopped by and was like, hey, try this bass. And he tried it and he loved it. So he just ordered a few. Okay. And so I went in and tried it and liked it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was your uh, What was your first bass actually? <laughs> it was a bass. It was called a Gremlin. Gremlin. A Gremlin. I don't even think they don't made feed it after bass midnight. <laughs> <laughs> and when I look back, that bass was so horrible. But at the time, I, I had no clue. It was a Gremlin P bass at the time. Everybody has to start on a on a crappy P bass. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come back to playing. And not so crappy pieces yeah, later on. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I played that Gremlin, and then one day I, um, I was in a music Gremlin. store, and they had a Roscoe. Ooh. And it, he had an unbelievable deal on it, and I got it, and I, I just I just knew that was it. Yeah. And then over time, you know, you start trying different stuff, and your taste develop. Yep. And kind of grow. And so I play like Sadowski's, and now I'm playing this Fender that I really, really love. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. This is my go-to for everything now. It's nice. You yeah. got you got a good one. Oh uh, yeah, I'm blessed with a good one. Yeah, well, it's some American American Elite. Elite. Yeah. Okay. Because they've got so many variations, like American Standard, American yeah. Deluxe, yeah. American. And, and this is like the newer iteration of, you know, the kind of five-string with the preamp and yeah. noises pickups. You're pretty happy with the preamp and pickups. Actually, yeah, I haven't done anything to this bass. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of guys get defenders and they mod them a lot, but yep. yeah, this this one has worked exactly as it is. Yeah. And what's your um, your kind of studio chain for recording and stuff? What do you um, have to go through? I have. Uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of it. But mainly, I, I use the Avalon as a preamp. 
Yep. Um, but the UA, I can't think of the name. Universal Audio Apollo? Uh, Apollo, yeah, yeah. I use an Apollo. Okay. Um, and depending on what it is or which base I'm playing through, um, I'll go Avalon into the Apollo, or mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just go directly into the Apollo. Okay. And everything else on the back end is mainly um, software. Okay. So you, do you ever use like amp sims or anything? Um, I, I do use amp stuff. Um, the amp stuff is normally live though. Okay, like so I'll mic an amp in the room. Mic it up, okay. Yeah, like I'll use an Audix D6. Yep. Um, like on one of the cones. Okay. Yeah, and then I'll kind of split a signal like, you know, the bass and the, yeah. the cab and kind of mix it depending on and what, what the song calls like for. Like what, um, yeah, what, what in your head when you hear a track, what would make you go, do you know what, this would be good with 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 a, with a mic'd up cab, or this will be fine with just DI. Where, where, where do you make that call? I mean, is it more singer songwriter pop stuff, or you know what? Honestly, I'm not great at just hearing a song and knowing exactly what mm. it is. You gotta try. Some so things. a lot of times, I'll try some things. Yeah. So I have a four string Fender that normally I always start there. Yep. I start there passive to see just what it feels like. And a lot of times out there, I kind of see what it is, or I kind of see like you know you kind of play with settings and kind of see yep. what it is. It leads me to another place. Okay. And a lot of times when you're playing, you just kind of know, like, yeah, this is the right thing for this. Yeah. This situation. Yeah. And any tips or advice for kind of mixing bass and making it sit sit in the mix? What's but, your? You know what though? One thing I've learned is I am not a mixer. Right. Okay. <laughs> and and I gladly pass it off to the the guys that do it for a living. Okay. Yeah, I just what I do is like when I send demos back I try to you know find a good space for it to sit in so you can, just so you can get context. a good idea yeah yeah but as far as mixing I, I so I mean you, you basically have the bass louder than everything else because that's what you should <laughs> yeah. sit right bass yeah. perspective yeah. right yeah. that's all that matters yeah. <laughs> check me out <laughs> like I'm killing yeah. Yeah. do you ever do you ever get um frustrated with clients you know when they send it back and go no at bar 26 can you make can you change that G to like a high G and do you ever get that kind of nitpicky now that kind of stuff doesn't bother me, but what does get kind of weird is when um, they're like, "Look, man, just take this. I'm not gonna send you a reference. Just do play your thing. what you feel." Yeah. So you know, and then it's like you spend a couple of days listening, kind of obsess over it. Like, okay, yeah, I want to do this. I want to approach it this way, and then you play what you think is an amazing performance, and then they'll be like, "Why well, not play this?" And I'm like, "Why didn't you just tell me that?" Yeah. Yeah, and I get that they want they want to see how you would approach it, but my thing is if you already have an an image of what you want, yeah, it's better for me to create around that mm. versus to take it in a totally different direction. Also, maybe sometimes people don't know what they don't want until they hear it, or what they want until they That's hear true. it. So they might have not have any idea, but when they hear it, they go. Well, I don't know what I want, but it's not that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. that's a kind of that's a, that's a bit of a rabbit hole. Just yeah, to chase yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, but but in the in the universal sense of recording, like I love all of it. Mm. It just it's just those situations makes for great stories. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, let me take what this guy did. Yeah, yeah. You know. it's great and it's great that we you know we're living in an age where you can just do that at home. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it's, it sounds as good as if you went into East West or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. And now. But I will say this: it took me a while because like you know people shed on their instruments. Like I took time to kind of shed on like getting great tones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess like tone is is massive for when you're recording. Like, yeah, absolutely. You can have a killer part, but if if it's been recorded on not the right instrument with, yeah. with not the right tone, then it's kind of useless. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And those are the worst calls. Like, and maybe within the last like six to seven years, like you would get that one call, like yeah, it didn't sound good. 
And it's like, like, oh, man. That's right to the heart. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, I resolved myself, like, I didn't want that to happen again. So I was like, well, let me just take the time and figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what do you think it is that you've learned, gleaned from that? Levels. Levels yeah. is the, the the biggest part of it. Yeah, just getting a healthy signal. Yeah, a, a really healthy signal as much as possible before any software is, is mm. there. Especially if you're going to go through like the iCloud, you kind of want that to help. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. You, you ever use a little bit of compression um, in, on the way in or? Not on the way in, yeah. not on the way in. Not brave enough yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, because it varies with the different people that I've worked with because everybody typically wants something so different. Okay. So if they don't specify in the beginning, like, hey, I kind of want the level to hit around here or, you know, compress it a little bit or leave it, you know, completely open. Yeah. Like, I'll just give them a raw file. Mm-hmm. And that way they can kind of listen. And if it's something they want, like I'll record maybe four to five bars and say, hey, check out this tone. What do you think? Okay, yeah. If they're cool with it, we'll go. But they'll tell me, like, hey, use this compressor, compressing compression okay and you know kind of let it hit around here they'll, they'll tell you pretty much what they want interesting well when you get the good guys oh, okay yeah but then there are some guys that can't really explain what they want sure so you kind of have to kind of interpret help them out yeah yeah um, have you done much like session stuff in the studio with with artists and stuff like that oh yeah as well? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah as much as well pretty yeah. decent studio scene in atlanta or studio scene is really good it's mm. really good um we record actually at a place called 800 East in Atlanta. Okay. And it's kind of cool because it's like, it's really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they, has a, they have a big room and then like people with their, their individual rooms kind of all around it, but they all use the big room when necessary because gotcha, everything's yeah. kind of patched through. Yeah. So those, those sessions are really great because it's like, everybody there kind of feels like family. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, who are you working with today? What are you working on now? Or what was this for? Yeah. And if you need help, you can just kind of knock on the door and say, hey. Can you come in? Yeah, can you? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And I've, we've actually been working out of there for that same project for the Jazz at Lincoln Center. That was back in maybe 05. Mm-hmm. And we've been recording there since then. And when I met Avery and Dana, they were working out of the same studio. So okay. it was almost like home. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, what about your kind of the soloing side of things like improvising because mm. it's one thing to to learn lines and, and do the baseline thing but it's it's another thing to kind of to improvise and sound lyrical and, and fluid and have mm-hmm. those ideas is there anything that, that you kind of worked on in the past to get you up to speed or to help you feel comfortable with that yeah I went through this well I, f- I firmly believe that like you imitate a lot of people but you don't allow that to be who you are. Mm-hmm. So you imitate to learn like ideas and concepts. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, like you read a book, like, you know, you're, you're conceptualizing what you're reading, but then when you personalize it and like, what does this passage mean to you? It becomes an experience that you can translate in other conversations. Yep. So it's like if, if I'm learning a, a Christian McBride solo, I find a concept or a cluster of notes that I really, really like that feel good under my hands. Mm-hmm. But then I try to find different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if you play something and it starts on beat one, then I try to move it to the end of one. Okay. Or move it to two, just shifting around. Yeah. And trying to find different ways to play it fingering. Yeah. So I 
that has really helped me a lot because it's like you can hear a concept, but you can find different ways to use that concept. Yeah, get more mileage out of it. Absolutely, really absolutely. Rinse it for all it's worth. Yes. It's, have you done the um, like the the standards, the jazz standard approach, where you can kind of you do all the chord tones and oh, start yeah. starting on different fingers and do the different permutations, yeah. like seven five three one, that kind of thing. Yeah, or like you know, like if you're doing a two five one, you play each chord tone. Yeah. yeah, and just, just kind of like outline the, the songs, yeah. playing the tones. That helps a lot because it helps you understand like, just from a relationship to the fretboard, how closely where the connected song is a, lot of, a lot of those notes are. The chords yeah. might seem like they're moving in fifths or fourths, but yeah, a lot of the notes yeah. are only moving but in Yeah, they're clusters, and a lot of times you don't have to move from one position yeah. to get relevant notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. that was the biggest thing I learned because you were thinking like, you know, like when you first start, like if you're doing a two five one and C, it's like you're like, all right, so I'm playing my my two here, and then I got to come up here, and then I come down here. But then when you learn how to like, when you learn inversions of chords and mm. how the notes are really, really close together, it makes it a lot easier. And the other thing that really helps is like if I find a, a phrase that I really like, like I watch TV and just play the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. Because it kind of reinforces in my ear, yeah. and it also gets it under my fingers. Yeah. And then like if I'm on a gig, I'll hear it. And then I know exactly what to play because I hear it. Sure, yeah. Do you ever, and I was talking about this the other day as well, and it's just like, there there has to be a certain balance of licks that you've learned and practiced that you play and then stuff that is just purely improvisational that you haven't yeah, played before. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, when, when we're doing that, it's like a mixture of, okay, I'm going to play that thing, but then it leads to something else. Is that yeah, how you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because licks that I've learned are always like a jumping board. Yep. Because it kind of gives you, uh, well, for me, it gives me a mental place to start. Sure. Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, like when there's that open space for your solo, it's like, all right, where do I start? So I just think of something that immediately comes to mind, some phrase that comes to mind. And mm -hmm. then from that point, it's like a Jameson. Well, how do I build off that phrase yeah. in the yeah. moment? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like a conversation, you know, like yeah. if you ask me where I'm from, then that leads to this. other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess the, the better you get, the less of that you have to use absolutely. Kind of thing. You know, you absolutely. Might, you might be using it half a dozen times for your soul and then four times and then three yeah, times kind absolutely. of thing, absolutely. I guess. And yeah. then you start to hear like what the other players are doing. Mm. Because Avery may do something melodic right before she's calling for a solo. Sure. And you're like, well, I can just continue that idea. Mm. Is there anything in the, um, in the kind of up and coming generation that, that you see players doing that kind of concerns you? Or, or you think maybe young guys are maybe missing out on or should be should be looking at? I mean, I, I don't want to sound crazy or weird, but one of the things I have noticed that a lot of musicians now, I mean, because YouTube is such a great resource, yeah. they spend a lot of time learning on YouTube and from YouTube, mm -hmm. but they don't really get time to like have conversation with actual musicians. So it's like you begin to have like a lot of technical facility and a lot of ideas but you don't you don't tend to learn how to use that because you're not using it in a real setting. Yeah. So when they do get in the setting, it's almost like they want to play everything that they've learned from YouTube because it's your opportunity to use what you've learned. Yeah. But you kind of don't learn how to like dial it back, know when to use it. Yeah. And I think that only comes from being able to interact with other human musicians okay. in different situations. So I mean, I, I would just say as much as you learn from YouTube, also look for opportunities to play with other people. Mm to be able to explore those, explore those ideas and kind of work them out. 
Yeah. Because, and that was one of the things I, I, I got from church. I was able to like learn stuff and kind of work it out. Like, okay, I tried that. That didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, let me try this. Okay, that works. Maybe I can save this for a similar yeah. situation. And perhaps, you know, if you're not, if you're not in, in that church environment, maybe a, a little bit harder. Like, there's probably maybe less opportunities now to play live for musicians than, than maybe there was. I'm, I'm not but, sure. But, it, but it's weird because it's like social media brings us together, but then it's, it makes us feel so far apart. Isolated. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we follow a bunch of different great musicians, yeah. but a lot of times, like, we won't take the opportunity to reach out. Like, because you may be in the same city. Hey, let's get together and jam. Let's, yeah. Or what were you thinking when you approached? this song or mm. why did you do this what did you study how did you approach it um so it's like you know instead of just kind of watching other people and just mimicking like let's reach out and hook up yeah i mean because great relationships are formed like we met through social media pretty much and i think that can happen on different levels and i think it could it could be a force for much greater yeah yeah i, I don't know if you've heard of the band Wolfpack. oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean that's that's the kind of thing that's unique to our time I guess. Yeah, Even absolutely. though they, they sound like a band from 40 years ago, to, yeah. to some extent, like, <laughs> yeah. their um, success and their, and their model is, is unique to, to today's internet climate, so, shall we yeah, say. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. And there's another group, um, have you got, heard of the Foreign Exchange? No. It's a hip-hop group, um, and the producer was in a different area than the vocalist. And they would just kind of trade music through the internet. They didn't even know each other. They just would send music to each other. Okay. And a group was formed out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And are you working on anything? I'm working on an EP now. Okay. Uh, as we speak. Um, Bass Shred Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is 0.5. It's leaked into the real it's, shred. It's the beta, beta version. The beta version, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what... My influences are hip hop, gospel, jazz. Yep. So I want to make sure that this EP is really true to what I love, who I am. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like, what I say is like the hip hop comes from the drums, and then the soul will come, from, the soul in R and B and gospel will come from keys because it's going to be roads on everything. It's because I love roads. Yeah. And um, the jazz aspect will come from like the phrasing and the mm-hmm. solos from bass. Okay. But they'll be actual. They they will be actual songs like with vocalists, okay, rappers, singers, the people that I've worked with that I really enjoy that I really and, like. and instrumental stuff or, or? And, and instrumental as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So how many tracks you looking at? Six. Um, about five to six. Five yeah. to six. Yeah. And how far along is it? Um, probably about 40 percent. Okay. Well, I have I have all these skeletons done. Yeah. It's just I'm listening, trying to see exactly which way I want to go, trying to identify singers that fit yeah appropriately mm-hmm. the vibe of each song yeah do you have like a lot of us do you have like a folder with like you know funky bass groove idea one man i have fat like yeah eight and yeah all that kind of and, stuff? That, and that's the hardest part because i have about maybe 30 to 35 skeletons of stuff that i like yeah and at one point i had scaled it down to about six but then it's like you know those days it's maybe raining outside you're going through your folder yeah and i'm like no nah, i think i like this one so then you start replacing stuff. Oh, you forgot about that. Yeah. The end section of that. Absolutely. That, forgot about that. Bit, yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. So, but I, I told myself it's going to get to a point where I have to just pick it, do it, and yeah. release it. Yeah, just do it. Because if not, you continue to obsess over it. Exactly, yeah. You yeah. just got to get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And your writing process is from, generally from the bass? Generally from the bass. Um, yeah. I keep my phone with me a lot, so... 
um, we have this every Friday gig that we do. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, every time when I do my setup and I play just to check levels, I always hear something different. <laughs> wow. So You're there right. are a few songs I have on my phone that I developed that mm-hmm. came from just grooves from Soundcheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so a lot of times, like, I'll just hear an idea, I'll sing it into my phone, or i just play it, yep. and I get the sound check. And then, like, I'll play around with, like, drums to try to make it fit. Okay. But I always write from bass first. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Chords and melodies, the whole Chords and melodies, whole yeah. yeah. Really and then cool. get it replaced with... Re- yeah, or I, um, I have a couple buddies I call that when they hear what I'm doing, mm-hmm. they just they just know what to do. They know what to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So it's just going to be under your name, or are you going to have... Yeah, it's just going to be under my name. Yeah. yeah. Detox? yeah. And it's it's actually the the goal of it is I call it the love album because um, I miss love songs you know not to sound sappy and crazy you have cute strings yeah <laughs> but like love songs I think love songs help help the world to be a better place and like we don't have any new love songs like mm. hits you lots know? of breakup songs yeah a lot of breakup songs yeah. and a lot of uh, <laughs> fun songs yeah you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> Okay. So every song is going to be about love, some form of love. Okay. You know, whether it be relationship love or just regularly love. Bass love. Music love, bass love. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of maybe end of the year looking to get that uh, out? I'm hoping the single can be out within the next couple of months. Okay, right. But completely done by the fall. Mm. And then then you're in that kind of world of, okay, do I, do I make people buy this or do I put it on... You know, how, what's your thoughts for getting it out there and, and making it worth your while, but also getting enough people to hear it so that you can maybe then do it? I, I like I like Yannick, Yannick Gustala. He, yep. Um, for a while, I don't know if you remember, but he would just put his music on Bandcamp and you could just donate whatever you felt like it was worth. Okay, yeah. And I just thought that was so amazing to and me. It worked. Yeah, and it, it really worked. Yeah. So I, I would like to try that model. And, and to be honest, I really don't mind giving it away because I want to open doors just for other opportunities as yeah. well. I mean, you'd rather somebody had it and listened to it Absolutely. than didn't. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, everybody could afford $2. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So do you reckon you put a minimum on it or just... I mean, I would, I would put some minimum on it. I'm not sure what, though. Yeah. But I, w- I want it to be an encouragement to check out the music. I don't want the music, the money to be a barrier Sure. to not check out the music. Yeah, I guess as well because... It's not necessarily about what people can afford, it's about what we're used to. Yeah. We're just yeah. used to getting everything for free. Yeah. So when it's just like two bucks, well, I can just not pay two dollars and listen to all this free music. Yeah, yeah. You know, on YouTube or whatever. So yeah, it's an interesting time. But on on the other hand, it's great for people like you and I because we can record an album at home yeah. and put yeah. it online and have access to the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which is pretty cool. So, you know, and you don't owe your record company and they don't own you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is... Yeah, because I mean, there are a few pro- projects that I've been on that, you know, we did everything ourselves, but it was just amazing to see, like, feedback from countries we've never been to. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the internet and social media now is because you, you have a much wider reach. Mm-hmm. And, and it just it allows you to see the world, allows you to meet people. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's an amazing tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, make the most of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, that's great. Yeah. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out. Oh, to, thank you for your invitation. To come and hang. It's been, yeah. it's been really, really nice hanging with you and, and the guys who are here as well. Yeah. Um, hopefully, maybe I'll come and check out the show on Sunday or something. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 That'd be good. If people want to find you online and stuff, where can they? Um, can on they Facebook, uh, 
I'm on Facebook. My, my real name is Demontrius. So it's facebook.com backslash Demontrius, D-E-M-O-N-T-E-R-I-O-U-S. I know it's a lot, right? Okay. <laughs> and um, on Twitter, Instagram, it's Detox Music, D-E-T-O-X-X-X Music. Triple X. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Detox, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. enjoyed the interview with Detox. It was really great to hang out with him. Um, a couple of the other guys from the band were also um, hanging out, so it was a really good afternoon. If you did enjoy it, please consider subscribing, leaving a review um, on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Um, any questions, shoot me an email. You can find me at info at basslessonsmelbourne.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to my sponsors, FBase, Bassface Strings, and I'll see you next time.